What a journey uh, we've been on here at Rancho over the last few weeks as we've been uh, considering biblical history from the beginning with Genesis up to the event that we are now here today to celebrate this morning. And we've discovered a central message that, that ties everything together and continues to play a major role in society even to this very day. For those of you who have not been with us over the last few weeks, I want to encourage you, go to our website, rancho.tv, and I want to encourage you to check out the series that we just finished called Rescue. What have we been considering? What have we been looking at during this series? Well, it started in Genesis with the creation of mankind, that, that humans were created by God, made in his image, and given charge over the earth. But we've basically destroyed it in so many ways while at the same time destroying each other along the way. And so what we were looking at is how humans have been trying to rescue the world and with different means, but not having much success. We see through history that we've tried tribalism, but that hasn't worked to rescue the world. Uh, what we see in the Bible is it actually caused more disunity and brokenness than actually healing. We've tried laws and enforcing laws to rescue the world. And no doubt those laws help societies to establish order in order to combat the chaos. But ultimately, humans end up using those laws to judge, condemn, and to control. And then we see in the Bible building of empires being tried to rescue the world. But how has that worked out over human history? And I'm not just talking about political empires, but religious empires and systems as well. We, we see that humans have a tendency towards power and control and violence and greed and destruction and oppression. And, and that seems to always overtake any good that might have been intended. But throughout the Bible... There's always been this message of the kingdom of God, this, this kingdom that will come and bring hope and freedom to the captives. And God was doing just that when he became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us in the man, Jesus Christ. I believe what God was wanting to do was set the record straight to clarify what God's heart is all about and to rescue the world. And that's the hope that Jesus' early followers had. They put their hope in Jesus and their hope was that he was the king that they'd been waiting for, the one who was going to rescue them from the empires that have dominated them and continue to do so up until that point. But Jesus talked about God's kingdom in a way that was unlike what they had expected. He started by using parables to describe his kingdom. And within these parables, a new and different kind of vision seemed to emerge. Because it was a kingdom that was filled with the lost and the lonely and the poor and the outcast and the sinner. It was a kingdom that Jesus taught would be entered like a little child with just simple trust and faith. 
Not through power and and violence and wealth or even obedience to some religious rules or system. Jesus was teaching that the kingdom of God is near and not far away like so many assumed it was. It was a kingdom he taught would be in our hearts and and in our minds. And, And his teaching about the kingdom was so different than they expected that his followers even asked him, well, well then who can enter? And Jesus looked at them and he said, well, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. All the ways that humans have been attempting to rescue the world had failed. But now, through Jesus, the kingdom of God was being explained. And he was making it very clear that it was a kingdom of love, of peace, and of hope for all. And and as eye-opening as Jesus' message was, how he was living caused just as many people to stop and consider I mean, he would spend time with those that other religious leaders would never have associated with. Women, foreigners, tax collectors and the sick and diseased, the drunkards and the outcast, and yes, the sinners. Jesus would oppose the religious and political leaders of that time that held such a stronghold on society. And he knew by doing that, it could ultimately result in losing his own life. But Jesus constantly challenged those, those that were keeping people from freedom of experiencing life and the joy of knowing the beauty of the kingdom of God, he constantly opposed and challenged. And yes, he did end up paying the ultimate price of death for the life that he lived and the message that he proclaimed. And he would experience the full weight of the consequence of the brokenness and sin that had become the downfall of the world. He would be rejected by humankind. He would be accused by the political and the religious system that held people captive. And he would be subjected to the power and violence as he was arrested, spat upon, beaten, unjustly convicted and then crucified along with other common criminals. And Jesus would experience darkness and loneliness as he hung on that cross and he, and he felt in his mind that he was now alienated from God and alone as he was suffering for the sin of the world. But at that same time, Jesus was going to show the power of the kingdom. You see, in the midst of that darkness, he was going to shine the light of God for all to see. He would look at the thief that was being crucified next to him and he'd say, today, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus, while on that cross, would look at those that had beaten him and crucified him and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You see, in the moment of the greatest darkness, we could see the greatest light. For for while Jesus hung on that cross, 
He was empathizing with us. He was suffering for the sin of the world and he was paying the ultimate price of death. But on that cross, he was bringing to light the reality of the kingdom of God. That God is not far but near and that God loves and forgives and that God invites all to come and to find hope, love, and peace through King Jesus. For on the third day, Jesus rose from the grave, proving that he was the Son of God with power. On the third day, Jesus rose from the grave, conquering sin and death, and by love and forgiveness, God has overcome the power and violence that has destroyed the world. On the third day, Jesus rose from the grave to show that he rules over all through a kingdom of love. On the third day, Jesus rose from the grave so that we might now know God and believe that our sins are forgiven and that peace with God is available to all. On the third day, Jesus rose from the grave to show us that life is in his hands and is given to us freely by grace. On the third day, Jesus rose from the grave to rescue the world from sin, darkness, and death, and to bring to light the kingdom of God for all to see. Those that were his followers on that day he was killed must have been feeling that all hope was lost. He was the one that they had hope in, that he was going to rescue, and now they're watching him killed. They must have lost all hope. But after Jesus rose from the dead, he said to them, peace be with you. For on the third day, Jesus rose from the grave and it changed everything. The cross of Jesus Christ is the reason I'm alive. We'll say that again. The cross of Jesus Christ is the reason we're alive. Now, how can that connection be made? How can a man who died 2,000 years ago, how can that event be the reason why I'm alive today, why we are alive today. It seems kind of strange, right? Well, let's rewind the clock 2,000 years. When Jesus came to this earth, he came under a certain paradigm. He came under a certain way of looking at things. He came under a paradigm of power. Personal power was the, the pinnacle. Personal power was the goal. Personal power to get what I want. Personal power to be a person of, of privilege or a person of pleasure, a person who is glorified. Now, oftentimes that would come at the expense of others, and it was considered the moral thing to do to abuse, mistreat others for personal power. That was considered something that was the the, the pinnacle of human existence. Mistreat people, wield your power for your own benefit. That was considered moral at the time of Jesus Christ. And that wasn't just true of personal power, but national power, so nation against nation, conquesting nation, stealing from other nations, stealing their resources, stealing their wealth, stealing their property, stealing their people and taking them as, as slaves. That was considered to be moral. It's, a, it's a, a, a worldview of power. Jesus came into that 
and turned it entirely upside down. He brought a strange new way of looking at life, a strange new way of seeing life, a strange new worldview that says it's not about lifting yourself up for personal power, but it's actually giving yourself, giving yourself up even sacrificially to benefit others. This is love. Jesus came to bring a paradigm of love, and it was totally new, totally different, completely strange. To Jesus, power wasn't the prize, but love was the prize. And that resulted in a strange way of life for Jesus and his followers. His behavior was considered to be strange at times. Jesus started a world-changing movement by calling fishermen, just your average kind of uneducated fishermen. He says, follow me and we're going to change the world. That was strange, really strange. Jesus helped people. He helped people that other people shunned. That was strange. Even spitting on the ground, making mud and rubbing it on a blind person's eye, strange. He just did odd things for the cause of love. Uh, he did a temple visit during a Passover week, and he saw that the religious elite were stealing from the poor in the name of God, and he turned the place upside down. He turns over tables. He's whipping men and, and animals out of this temple area, screaming, you're stealing from the poor in the name of God. That was considered very, very strange. The worst of it all was Jesus went into Jerusalem on that Passover week knowing full well he would go there to die. In fact, he was warned by his disciples, if you go to Jerusalem on this Passover week, there is such tension there. They will arrest you. They will crucify you. And Jesus says, I know, I'm going there for that purpose. Strange behavior. His teaching was also strange. In fact, uh, the religious leader came to Jesus in the middle of the night, had some questions, and Jesus says, hey, listen, if you want to really live, you've got to be born again. That's a concept that had never been spoken before. And here's this religious leader who thought he had it all together because he was obeying all the religious laws. Jesus says, throw that out and totally start over. You need to be born again. That was strange. Jesus tells his followers, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they are all freaked out. It's kind of a gross thing to say. But Jesus was saying, hey, listen, we're, this is a whole new thing. You're ingesting an entire new paradigm. Eat it, drink it all. Jesus tells his followers, if you want to really live, you got to die. Die to yourself. Jesus said, live taking up a cross. That means live selflessly, sacrificially, not for yourself, but for others. Strange teaching. Jesus says, if you get struck on one cheek, turn the other also. Very strange. The, the oddest of all of Jesus' teaching was when Jesus called God a heavenly father. Jesus says God is a heavenly father. Now, everybody understood God to be this fierce, judging, ominous being ready for us to disobey. And when we disobey, he'll mess up our life. If we're too bad, he'll condemn us even to hell. I mean, this is what people thought. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. God is a heavenly father. He loves you. You're his son, you're his daughter. He embraces you as you are, where you are, and who you are. He embraces you, and he just wants you to know how much you're loved. That's the strangest teaching of all. So Jesus' life was full of strange things. His teaching was full of strange thing, things, and his, his followers were odd. Those who followed Jesus were strange. He hung out with both rich and poor. That never happened. He hung out with men and women on his core leadership team. That never happened. He befriended people who were um, stealing from their own countrymen, these tax collectors. He says, listen, I'm going to show love for you and be a part of this community. Jesus hung out with people who were labeled by religious people as sinners. Nobody did that. He completely changed the game. He changed the game from a game of power and privilege for ourselves to a lifestyle of love, service, and sacrifice for the benefit of others. That's the ministry of Jesus. 
And as a result of that, dozens started following him, then hundreds, then thousands started flocking to Jesus because even though he was a strange person with a strange kind of way of life and strange teaching and a ragtag group of followers, there was something oddly attractive about that strangeness. Love was, is, is an attractive power. Love, it causes people to really think outside of themselves and to see a whole new vision of this world the way God sees it. God wants this world driven by love, but it's so often driven by power. Jesus came to change that, and it was oddly attractive for people, and they came. Now, this movement of Jesus was so profound, and so many thousands were following Jesus, the religious leaders were afraid because they were leaving the religious institution and following Jesus, and that, that completely made them crazy, so they followed him around, waiting for him to break the little tiniest religious law so they can accuse him of hypocrisy. They sent lawyers, people who had spent their whole life in, in the nuances of God's law, you know, all the commandments of the Old Testament, trying to trap him in, in this dilemma between loving people and honoring God, and it would always backfire and they would look foolish. They conspired to kill him multiple times, but they did not have unilateral authority to kill him. They had to get that authority from the invaders, the Romans. And so they, they lied about Jesus to the Romans and said, he's claiming to be a king who wants to overthrow Rome. And Rome could not ignore the threat. And so reluctantly, Rome conspired with the religious leaders and put Jesus to death. Even as he was being put to death, he loved. He loved through his arrest, through his trials. He loved through the public beatings and the public whipping. He loved through the mockery and humiliation. He loved everyone everywhere through the condemnation, through the declaration that he would be executed. As he carried his cross through the streets of Jerusalem, he loved. As the nails were put in his hands and feet, he loved. As he was hung up in front of all of Jerusalem to see, he loved. He loved, he loved. He loved to the point where he said his final words, it is finished as the sin and the failure and the suffering of the world was forgiven on that cross. As Jesus, the perfect son of God, the fullness of divinity and the fullness of humanity became a victim of this world's corruption. On that Friday afternoon, he died in love. Saturday was silent and then Sunday he rose. On Sunday morning, Jesus rose. On Sunday morning, love rose. On Sunday morning, it was this great declaration that thousands of years later, half the world is celebrating today, this great declaration that love wins, that love rises, that love will actually be more powerful than the paradigm of power, that selflessness would be more powerful than selfishness, that people who live for the glory of God and the benefit of others, that they are the ones who truly live, not the ones who believe life is all about them. This is a movement now, an incredible movement of love. And so in the church of Jesus Christ, now today, Every tribe, every tongue, every nation is welcome. In the church of Jesus Christ today, men and women are equal. Rich and poor are equal. Healthy and sick are equal. The powerful and the powerless are equal. This is this great vision of love and a community of love that is taking shape even now and growing even now. I love 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says it so clearly. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person because we see life in a new way. No longer about us, but about love. Selfless, sacrificial love that God gave first to us and that we get to give to others. That's a whole new life. The old is gone. A new life has begun. A new life of love. And I love what it says here. All this is a gift from God. We don't receive this because we're good enough. We don't receive this kind of love because we're religious. We don't receive this kind of love because we're devout, good, little moral people. We receive this love because we simply believe what Jesus says. 
Jesus says God's a heavenly father who loves. He's forgiven you and he's proven that by the cross of Jesus Christ. And he's given us a purpose, a purpose to be loved and to love. And that is what rose from the dead on that Easter Sunday. And that lives today because Jesus lives today. And Jesus is in us and with us and empowers us to continue to create a global movement of love. It's all through Jesus Christ. Now I'm gonna show you how this works. It's gonna be a little bit of an unconventional way to end this Easter uh, service, but, but follow me here. I'm gonna show you a video of something that actually happened a few years ago at an outdoor festival. Thousands of people are just waiting there, kind of picnicking, and one person starts to do this, just to dance like a madman. Just in front of thousands of people, starts to dance. Not particularly well. It was strange. This is a strange thing. Imagine you're outdoors minding your own business, and this person puts on a, um, a track of music and just starts dancing like crazy. And then he has a first follower. This is called the first follower. Somebody who decides, you know what, I don't know this guy, but he's having a blast and he can't stay there by himself. This first person is like Jesus, very strange. His life was strange, his teaching was strange, and then he got these kind of ragtag group of followers. And those first followers were very courageous. Those first followers says, said to themselves, yes, this whole life and teaching of Jesus is strange, but I'm in. It's alluring, a life of love, no longer in fear, a life that enjoys God and enjoys others. So more people started joining. More people started joining. More people started enjoying God's love for them. More people enjoyed the dance. They enjoyed the strangeness. <laughs> and then over time, more and more people start joining into this wonderful dance, right? This very strange thing. Now, you can ask yourself, would I be the first up? Would I be the second up? <laughs> My answer is no. But once the party gets started, it's like, this is real. It becomes real. This is a genuine community of love. It's a genuine enjoyment of the surroundings and enjoyment of each other. That's the call to follow Jesus Christ. He was the first who went forward from heaven. And yes, he was strange. He tore down the paradigms of power and strangely danced a new way of life, a life of love. And the first people that followed were courageous, but now millions, hundreds of millions, and billions of people are now in the Jesus movement. They have embraced God's love, embraced God's grace. They're enjoying God's grace and enjoying a community of grace. And they are having a good time following God and a good time enjoying one another. This is what church ought to be, not a religion, I'm not asking you today to convert to a religion, but I am asking you today, maybe today is the day you stand up and you follow Jesus. Maybe today is the day that you stand up and you say, I am gonna give my life to this strange one who talked about love, selfless, sacrificial love. So I'm gonna ask you to stand. I'm not gonna ask you to dance. I'm gonna ask you to stand. And as you stand, I'm gonna close in a prayer. And that prayer will be a simple prayer. I follow Jesus. Today's the day I am with him. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for our, our time here this Easter morning, 2019. We can celebrate you, celebrate your love for us, celebrate this reality that you gave yourself sacrificially on a cross to be condemned by all the, the powerful in this world 
and, and you gave your life to, to pay for it all, to bear the suffering and the sin and the shame of this world and to die for it, to forgive it. But then on that third day, that Sunday morning, to rise again from the dead in victory, knowing that love wins, that love is more powerful than all, that love is the true enjoyment and pleasure of life, that selfless sacrificial love can be not only received unconditionally by you, our Heavenly Father, but then given to others to start a movement of grace, a movement of love. And God, today we say we are in. Today we say we follow Jesus. And some people here, it might be the very first time that, that there is this standing up and running to Jesus the one who fully represents the heart of a loving heavenly father, the one who gave his life to forgive us and to forgive the sins of the world, the one who rose again from the dead to show that love wins, that love rises, that love lives, and we wanna be a part of that kind of a community. We receive the love and grace of God through Jesus Christ today. In his name we pray, and everybody said, amen. amen.